Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show now in its 20th year on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. And we always bring you amazing, inspirational guests that help you turn your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions. Today, we have a great guest, uh, Dr. Judith Rabinor. She is a clinician, author, writing coach, speaker, and workshop leader. And in addition to her New York City private psychotherapy practice, she offers remote consultations for writers, clinicians, and families. She's published dozens of articles in both public and professional professional books and also authored three books. And let's talk a little bit about the subject matter today, which is very of great interest many times to mothers and daughters. So the question is, can a mother be both loving and selfish, caring and thoughtful, deceitful and devoted? And these are the questions that fuel Dr. Rabinor's quest to understand the ambivalence toward her mother. While Dr. Rabinor, an eating disorder expert, leading a ceremony. She was blindsided, leading a a seminar. She's blindsided by the memory of a childhood trauma that has resonated with, with her throughout her life. So The Girl in the Red Boots is the name of the book, and it's called Making Peace with My Mother. It follows her personal journey to successfully reconcile with her own complicated mother who died 10 years ago. She weaves together her own personal experiences and of those with patience, those hard won life lessons, And, you know, including the fact that it's never too late to untangle your stuck places. It's never too late to let go of disappointments and to celebrate a connection that you thought was doomed. Even, you may even develop compassion for your mother and yourself. Welcome, Judy Rabinor. (laughs) Great to have you on. Great to be here. Great to be here, Patricia. I'm excited about our conversation yeah well full disclosure full disclosure um i have i'm I'm reading this and i'm thinking you know this could have been me so i you know of course our stories are different but many times the circumstances and you know if we've brought up in a certain way are similar and i'm sure there are many mother and daughter situations like this so it's it's a great it's a great story so you know i guess the question is you're a specialist in treating eating disorders. You know, what influenced you to become a therapist? Was it because of your your relationship with your mother? And why did you pick eating disorders? And why? Okay. A great question. Uh, I started out life wanting to be a writer. So I'm lucky because I'm now both a therapist and a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I became an English teacher, and uh, your question, but let me just back up. You asked me, how did I go from being an eating disorder expert to writing this book on mothers and daughters? No, I think the question is, when you're an expert in eating disorders and you became a therapist, did something with your relationship with your mother not only move you toward being a therapist, but move you towards specializing in eating disorders? That's the question. Okay, thank you. I like like that two questions. What moved me to becoming a therapist definitely is involved with my relationship with my mother because one of the things about my mother, I mean, obviously, since I'm the author of this book and the title is Making Peace with My Mother, I felt very agitated by my mother, and I felt like my mother was superficial, and Mary Sunshine, I felt like she was Pollyanna. I didn't understand why she was always so positive about everything. And it is interesting that, and I sought a deeper connection. And yet, I was just telling my son this recently, because his son is being picked on in school. And when I was picked on, when I was shunned by a group of girls when I was in seventh grade, my mother would say things like, don't worry about it. Wait till a boy drops you. Then you'll find out what really hurts. This is nothing. You're going to get over this. Mm. 
Yeah, of course it's true. I did get over this, but my mother did not have patience or empathy for the dark side of life. Mm-hmm. And so isn't it interesting that I became a therapist, where mm-hmm. what we do is we delve into the dark side of life. Mm-hmm. So I found my niche was to help people talk about what was kind of almost taboo or forbidden mm-hmm. in my family, mm-hmm. talking about the dark side of life. So that definitely motivated me to becoming a therapist. I was teaching in a school for what were called exceptional kids. They were kids with problems. And what I realized is the reason they were having learning problems is because they had psychological problems. And I went Mm -hmm. back to school after getting a master's in, after having a master's in English to go get my PhD in psychology because Mm -hmm. I wanted to find out what the problems were that were getting in the way of their learning. Um, so that's how I became a therapist. I gravitated towards learning about what really made people tick mm. when I was a teacher. Uh, how I became an eating disorder specialist is a different story, and that is the very first person that was referred to me when I went mm. to work in my first job as a psychologist developed an eating disorder right before my eyes. And that person, um, she and her father came to see me, and the father, as he was about to go sit in the waiting room and I was about to interview the young girl who was 15 at this time by Mm -hmm. herself, he said to me, by the way, I read something in the paper about what's it called? Anorexia, some problem where girls don't eat. I hope my Lizzie doesn't have that problem. Is this something you know something about? Hmm. And I, I didn't even know what to say, but thank goodness I was truthful. I said, I really don't know much about anorexia, but I, I'm going to look into it. And little did mm-hmm. I know that I would look into it, I would work with this dear girl, Lizzie, and I would develop a specialty in it because this was an epidemic that had just started blooming. This was in the 70s. Yes. Yeah, the yes. model Twiggy. Do you remember her, Twiggy? Twiggy yes, was, of I course. think, 5 foot 10 and weighed 92 pounds, and that was what American girls were supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. So what better way to mask a problem than to get focused on losing weight and just be focused, focused, focused on losing weight and think that that's going to solve your problems when, of course, it doesn't. It only contributes to and adds a new problem to the problems you already have. Do you feel, um, Judy, do you feel that, I mean, there have been some studies that have said that many times, um, particularly young girls, will develop anorexia if they've had dysfunctional relationships with their father, or there's been abuse or trauma, um, or even sexual innuendos or whatever. Um, Have you found that to be true? Well... There is no one reason that someone develops an eating disorder. There are many reasons, just like there's no one reason that someone becomes an alcoholic. There's Mm -hmm. not one reason. Any of the things that you mentioned, dysfunctional relationship with mother, with father, any kind of abuse, any kind of abuse to the body, it makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense to see how if if you've been abused, you may take your pain and suffering out on the body that Mm -hmm. caused you to fall prey to whoever Mm -hmm. it was who victimized you. You know, often children or young people blame themselves rather than blame the adults. And so someone who's been sexually abused can actually blame themselves for being too seductive and not even realize that they were simply an innocent victim. Mm -hmm. Um, We do live in a culture that rewards women for being beautiful and thin and promotes an unrealistic Mm -hmm. level of thinness. No one can be as thin as what some... Do you you um, think that's as true today? I think that's changing. I think it's changing a little, but the eating disorder epidemic still remains, and Mm -hmm. there, there is very little tolerance for overweight. There's more... There's more tolerance than there used to be, but yes. there still is pressure for women to be 
pretty, and in our day and age, pretty means sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, think about who are the icons today and what kind of a body image are they, you know, showing us every single day. Think about who we see on television yeah, as news. Yeah, that's true. Although I think things are changing. With, with women of color, a lot of, you know, they're women of color, different races. I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of positive female role models today who were not then, who are, well, you're you know, right. iconic. There's, there's, there's more diversity today. Yes. There is absolutely more diversity today. But still, for many girls and in many families, being thin is what is um, applauded, is, mm. is what is valued. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we have, we'll take a break in a couple of minutes, but before I move to another subject, let's stay on this for a minute. How do you help your clients move through eating disorder? That's probably a long answer. We've got two minutes to break. But is it through talk therapy? Is it through cognitive behavioral therapy? Is it through um, you know, specialized eating programs? Is it just, what is it? Is it through something called Noom, which we hear all about? <laughs> what is it? It depends. I hate to say this, but it completely depends because the word eating disorders is just a label that covers such a large range of people with everything mild from disordered eating to chronic overeating, people who are obese, to starvation, which is anorexia, so it really depends. Um, Every eating disorder therapy has to be tailor-made for the person walking in the door. As you can well imagine, it's completely different. If someone all of a sudden developed an eating disorder, like someone came into my office, they developed an eating disorder last summer. You know what happened last summer? Her grandfather died. Mm -hmm. Um, Her boyfriend was told he was being transferred to Miami, and she would have to move there with him, mm-hmm. and she had a sibling who developed a chronic and fatal illness. Three mm-hmm. traumas happened, and my hunch, I only saw this person once, is this person needs trauma therapy and grief therapy, because none of those right. issues were really spoken about in that family. And the mm-hmm. prognosis is very hopeful for somebody who has a mild eating disorder, and you can really understand where it originated. That's a good prognosis. A poorer prognosis is somebody who's had four or five hospitalizations and has struggled with this for 10 or 20 years. And mm-hmm. there are plenty of people around right. with this chronic condition. It's terrible. Yeah. All right. We're, we're going to talk more about that because I, I definitely want to talk about the book and also about where, what, where is the hope for people with eating disorders. I know you can talk about that as well. But we'll talk also more. Up, okay. We'll also talk about... Um, you know uh, what tips you have for healing relationships with mother, with mothers and daughters, or any child with mother. You know how what you look at there. Sure. So we'll talk about that next with my guest, Dr. Judith Rabinor, and her book is *The Girl in the Red Boots: Making Peace with My Mother*. And she is a PhD, PhD psychotherapist and uh, works with hundreds of people about uh, on these topics. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Bravehearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. 
Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. are listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. My guest is Judith Rabinor, Ph.D. Her book is The Girl in the Red Boots, Making Peace with My Mother. And this is really a soulful explanation of the mother-daughter bond. That's really what we're looking at today. And also her specialty as a therapist in eating disorders. So we're talking all about that. Welcome back, Judy. Great to be talking to you, Patricia. We have a lot in common Uh, He was a podcaster, me as a therapist. We're just transforming people's lives one moment at a time, we hope, right? Well, that's that's the goal. The goal is to show what works, right? So speaking of that, what tips do you have for those to mend relationships with their mothers? It's a hard one. It's a very hard one. Well, let me say this. Our lives depend on our relationships. And our relationships depend on our conversations, right? And they depend yep. on what we're able, how we're able to connect with somebody. So often people will come in and they'll tell me things like, I can't deal with my mother anymore. She's so intrusive. And I'll say, so what does she say when you try to discuss this with her? And the answer will be either she doesn't listen or, oh, I can't really tell her that I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to hurt her. She'll start crying if I tell her these things. Mm-hmm. And lots of people get into this critical mode when it comes to their mother. But beneath every criticism is a longing. And I try to help people reframe their criticisms into requests. And so, mm-hmm. in other words, somebody who has a very intrusive, over-involved mother, how can they learn to say to their mother, Mom, I love you so much, and I need a tiny bit more space from you. Mm-hmm. And if the mother starts having her feelings hurt, how can the daughter say to the mother, Mom, I want you to listen to me. And so I teach people how to be better listeners. Mm-hmm. I ask people to invite their loved ones in, whether it's a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, a daughter. And I teach them how to have safe conversations, which involve a lot of listening and a lot of mirroring and a lot of trying to really hear what's being said. And if you look someone in the eye and you put your hand on theirs and you say, Mom, I love you so much and I want you to really listen to me, Mm -hmm. a mother Mm -hmm. will really, that's different than being criticized. Absolutely. You know, 75% of conversation has nothing to do with the words we say. It has to do with the attitudes we convey. Mm -hmm. The attitudes we convey, the the sparkle in our eye, the tone of voice, Mm -hmm. the pacing of our words, the eye contact. And so when people can really look one another in the eye and say, I love you and I have a request. Here, here's a perfect example. I have a request, Mom. You have, to, you have to call me less often. Mm-hmm. Mom might say, what? I'm calling mm-hmm. you too often? I feel like mm-hmm. I never speak to you. 
<laughs> daughter, mm-hmm. daughter, I will say, can I coach you? Can you say, Mom, let's just set up a time. Like a good time for me is when I'm walking home from the office or when I'm mm-hmm. driving to pick up my right. husband at the train. Let's make a schedule. There are so many mothers who feel shut out of their daughter's lives and the daughters feel bombarded. And how can they speak to each other and, and find a way to compromise and meet both of their needs? Because there are very few daughters who don't want a better relationship with their mother, too. They just want, don't want to feel intruded upon. And they don't want to feel like, no matter what I hear often, it's no matter what I do, I'm never appreciated. Mm-hmm. How can the mother say, I appreciate when you really have time to speak to me? Let's make that happen. That's better than once a week of real communication is better than texting and intruding on one, one, each other's lives all week long. I mean, so I try to get people to really consider other opportunities. Right. Just like I think you said, you know, on your show, one of your taglines is converting obstacles to opportunities. Mm-hmm. What looks yeah. like a problem, there really can be a solution for it mm-hmm. if people are willing to widen their lens. And yeah, I am. Um, yeah, another. I'm listening to you. You know, I, I I conduct, I present a lot of webinars virtually to these days, and mostly on what you're talking about, mostly on communication skills and listening and conflict resolution, and and just that whole just teaching people how do you just listen to that other point of view, and try to take the person out of it and look at the situation. You know, it's now I don't. It's not that I don't love you, mother. It's that I need time for me. There's nothing to do with my love for you. And if the, if we can separate that, right, and they can understand that, we can move forward. But that's where we get caught. It, it becomes about me. You don't love me. You don't care about me. It's me, me, me. And most of the time it isn't. Right. It's about behavior. Right. And, and what's also hard is that our mothers, uh, you know, we start out life completely dependent on our mothers. And the mother is completely available and accessible. The good enough mother is available and accessible. And life is really a series of renegotiations because Mm -hmm. the goal for every parent is to really help your child nurture themselves and be independent. And many mothers are frightened of their children's independence because it may leave them adrift, wondering what is my role. What's my life going to be like now? I gave so much up to stay home with my three kids, and now they're all off in college, and all I, all I get from each of them is a text once in a while telling me they're fine. Yeah. And so how do you help people really renegotiate just what you're saying and come up with a new yeah. strategy to stay connected? Yeah. And sometimes, too, you know, people express themselves differently. For example, you might get a beautiful card. Right. Or a beautiful letter. But then you don't hear those words during the year or but you, you, you'll get I love you. You've been wonderful. You've been a role model. But then the daughter, in this case, won't say it to your face and doesn't verbalize it, but will send it to you in a note. And so there's different ways we communicate. But I've seen that. I've seen that where you that will happen. But you, you don't get the, the gushiness, if you will, you know, the huggy kissy. But you'll get a beautiful note. Well, and that's also, we all have different modes that are the most satisfying. And, I mean, the younger generation has, first of all, the whole world has changed in the last 20 months. And so now we're all on the screens all day long. This is our new way of being. But prior to that, and there were many people, I knew people who would say, I'm not getting a smartphone. I don't want right. to be interrupted all day. And the daughter or the son would say, but that's how I communicate. This is my mode of communication. Right. I am flawed how many people have told me that somebody has broken up with them in a text. So oh, I, I know. For my, gen- yeah. for my generation, that would yeah. be an insult, that someone didn't yeah. even have the courtesy to call you up and say, I think our relationship needs to change or it's over. And you wouldn't even talk about it. You would just send a text. But to many people of the younger generation, that's how life is transacted. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it was, there was a great movie called The Intern. 
with Robert De Niro and um, Anne Hathaway. And it was all about that. It was just a fun thing. He was the he was the um, retiree who came in just to volunteer in this young millennial um, organization where she would ride her bike across the um, right inside so that she could move faster and get things done faster. But the point that I'm making is one guy came up to him, was very upset and said to Robert De Niro, who was the older gentleman of reason, he said, you know, he said, my girlfriend's really upset with me. And De Niro said, why? And he said, well, he said, I, I flirted or I slept or I did something with her girlfriend. So De Niro said, well, what'd you do? He said, I texted her. De Niro said, you what? He said, I texted her. Oh, but then I emailed her. De Niro said, no, 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 you have to go talk to her. And it was it was in the movie, but I, I always repeat it because I think it's just so, I mean, the first thing he thought of, I texted her. I'm sorry. Right. So, right. So, yeah. Very interesting. Well, it's interesting that I'm sorry because another thing is I think a real apology has been devalued. A real apology helps. And sometimes if I'll say yeah. somebody, you know, I think your mother is just yearning for you to really understand. I want you to stand in your mother's shoes and think about how did she feel when she got that card from you. And she, and then I'll even, uh, I'll prompt, I'll coach the daughter and I'll say, maybe she would like to hear those words from you coming out of your mouth to her ears while you're in person, whether we're on a Zoom screen or in my office. And it's different. Some people, a card is the most beautiful thing. They can read it over and over and over. To others, what they want is the Mm person-to-person, you know, Mm -hmm. feel good, as you just put it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more to Dr. Judith Rabinor about other ways that we can help people struggling with conflicting feelings with their mothers. And... You know, and about how we can transform those scars uh, into something that can help us with personal growth and healing. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back with Dr. Judith Rabinor right after the break. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every week for Voices for the New Age with Juno Botan and Steve Sokolow. If you're looking for cutting-edge ways to improve your well-being as well as explore personal growth and empowerment, you won't want to miss a single episode of this show. Along with guests from different professions such as authors, healers, and much more, you'll get an exclusive astrological forecast from Juna and wise leadership tips from Steve. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You. 
you are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back. And I'm Patricia Raskin. And today we are talking to Dr. Judith Rabinor. She's a clinician, author, writing coach, speaker, and workshop leader. And she speaks uh, national and international mental health conferences and runs workshops at spas and colleges and universities and retreat centers. We're talking about the mother-daughter relationship, talking about mother-daughter relationships that are complicated where there can be a lot of pain and trauma. We're also talking somewhat about eating disorders, as Judy specializes in that. And her book is called The Girl in the Red Boots. It's a memoir. It's, the subtitle is Making Peace with My Mother. So welcome back, Judy. Great to be talking about this topic. There's so yeah. many interwoven topics here that are all I know. part of my... But let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Why the title? What the girl in the red boots? Why the red boots? And yeah, explain that. Okay. The title of my book is really about my own personal transformation. I start the book telling two stories about my mother. One is the bad mommy story and the other is the good mommy story. The bad mommy story is, and anybody who's interested can go to my website and look at the um, trailer that's posted there. The bad mommy story is that my mother told me I was going to a birthday party and I got all dressed up and she dropped me off at the hospital where I had my tonsils at. Oh. And I was oh. eight. Yes. Oh. That's a bad mommy story, right? Oh. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Mm. How old were so you? That's How old were you? I was eight years old, and that's mm. a bad mommy story. And worse than that is that my mother never really, I felt she never really stood in my shoes and thought about her poor little eight-year-old daughter, what mm. this is like to think you're wearing a new party dress and now you wind up in a hospital. Mm. Um, having actually what's a very painful surgery, having your tonsils at the aftermath, you, your throat is not sore. S-O-R-E, it's raw, R-A-W. Mm. And mm. the idea that the nurses all said, oh, don't worry, honey, you'll get lots of ice cream. But when you're eight years old, a strange nurse is hardly comforting. And the idea that you're going to have ice cream is hardly comforting when you're having trouble breathing and swallowing because your throat, mm. throat is so raw. Mm. And when I challenged my mother when I got older, I said, why did you do this? And she said, this is what the doctor told us to do. Mm-hmm. When I got mm. older, I understood. I mean, now I understand that we're talking about back in the 50s, and there was no Internet. Now a doctor tells you to do something. The first thing you do is you run home and you look on the Internet. Exactly. And see, this is what, right, you check it out. But there was no checking it out, and... You know, back in the 50s, doctors really were gods. What the doctors yes. said went. Oh, yes. I know this. Yes. Yeah. 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 But mm-hmm. growing up, I felt, I felt dissatisfied with that answer. Why would you just do something that feels really heartless and cruel and terrorizing to mm-hmm. your poor little child? Mm-hmm. So that's in the first chapter. But there's also another story I tell at the end of this chapter, and that story is the girl in the red boots. Can I tell that story? Sure, of course. Okay, so that story is that when I was four years old, I wanted a pair of red boots. And I nagged my mother. She finally caved in, took me to the shoe store, bought me the red boots. And that night she couldn't get me. She loved to tell this story about me. And she said, I couldn't get those boots off of her. She wanted to sleep in them. I finally pulled those boots off. I left them by the side of her bed. The next morning I get up, I go into Judy's room. Where's Judy? She's not in bed. She looked all over the house, and she finally opened the front door, and there I was on my red tricycle with my red boots 
riding up and down in front of my house wearing nothing else. Oh. And my mother, in fact, my mother loves to tell this story. She thought she would say, my Judy always danced to her own drummer. She always had a mind of her own, and she loved to tell that story. And that's the story of the girl in the red boots. Well, a couple of things happened as I wrote this memoir. Number one, I realized that my mother, for as much as she followed doctor's orders, she also had a mind of her own, and she also was the original girl in the red boots. And the readers out there will have to read the book to find out how I came to change my view of my mother. I Mm -hmm. went from seeing her as kind of a superficial housewife to a woman who had a lot of ideas of her own. Mm -hmm. And it surprised me in writing the book how I dug up a lot of old memories, and that's something I try to help my patients do all the time dig up old memories and not tell the same old story over and over again, like my mother's too needy, my mother's too controlling. And I ask a different question, like, what was the bravest thing your mother ever did? Mm-hmm. And uh, they might say, I don't know. I say, why don't you go home and ask her? And mm-hmm. I try to help people to develop new conversations so yeah. they're not just stuck in a rut of right. needy mom, daughter who wants to get away. That's one typical scenario yeah. I see a lot of in my office. Yeah. Um, and so a daughter can really get to see who So you're, what was. you're doing is you're building a new paradigm. You're creating, you're having them look at this in a different way. You're getting out of that old picture and you're creating a new picture that's also real. That's right. Because we are all imperfect narrators. The story we tell is the story we tell. That's all it is, is a story. Often there are backstories that we know nothing about. Mm-hmm. There are other stories about how our mothers became the people we, they were. And I sprinkle a handful of meditations throughout my book. Every chapter starts with one. Uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. Do we have time for me to give a little example? Sure. All right. So I'll ask the reader as they're starting in the section of, your book, of my book, take a moment and think of, think of your mother standing by the kitchen sink. And imagine she's looking out the window, daydreaming. What is she daydreaming about? What kind of thoughts are going through her mind? What are some of the things in her life that may have left her dissatisfied? Mm -hmm. How is your mother feeling as she stands at the window and looks out? And often people will tell me, I get a lot of, letters from readers and they say, I, I realize I never thought about my mother in any way other than my mother. I never thought about what dreams got mashed of hers. We can even know the story, but really thinking about it is different. For example, I knew that my mother got married because she was pregnant. But until... I really thought deeply about how did my mother find out she was pregnant and what was that like for her and who did she tell first? Apparently, especially in those days, that was like very rare, correct? Especially in those days, exactly. And who did she tell first and how did she tell my father and how did they really decide to get married? Was there pressure from my mother's parents? from my mother, from my friend. Questions that I never really knew. I never really thought of until it was too late to ask my mother. Mm-hmm. So I really and, and was there any resentment toward having a child? Did any of that come out on you that we don't know about? Well, the sad thing for my mother is that after my mother forfeited going to college and got mm-hmm. married, she had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And so... There she was, 18 years old and married with no baby. Mm. I know. And when you think about that, if anybody in the listening audience thinks, what would it be like to get pregnant, get married, have a miscarriage, and be married? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you look at it very differently. 
It's a whole different different way of looking at it. Because and now it you look at very sad. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, because then, you, as you said, you have the empathy because you look at it as you know. A, I don't know if the word is objectively, but you do. I mean, you see it as an outsider looking at a woman who's been through that, and that's painful. Painful. Because the question Very then painful. is, would she have gotten married if she wasn't going to have a baby? And we don't know that. Right. And okay. what's it like to feel like you forfeited college because you were yeah. pregnant? And I'll just say one more thing before the break, that in treating girls with eating disorders, I so often would see the mothers, because I started doing this back in the 70s, and it was mainly mothers who brought their daughters therapy. Now, I tend to try to get the whole family in. But in the yeah. beginning, I would take who I could get. And it was usually, the mother would say, oh, I'm really, I was on a, in the suburbs on Long Island. And the father was working in New York. And it was the mother who would come into the session. So I learned a lot about mothers and daughters, about how they get on each other's nerves and they need each other, both at the same time, and how to help them figure out what exactly is bothering them. Mm-hmm. All right. And on that note, we're going to take a break. We are talking to Dr. Judith Rabinor, and her book is The Girl in the Red Boots. It's a memoir about making peace with my mother. She's a Ph.D. clinician, author, writing coach, speaker, and workshop leader. She specializes in eating disorders, and she's worked with hundreds and thousands of people in her career. And we're going to come back. When she comes back, we'll talk more more about things that we can do to repair and restore relationships with our mothers. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Are you looking for a happy lifestyle? Now that's a crazy question, isn't it? Everyone wants to be happy, but we struggle in trying to figure out how to get there. Want help with that? Then tune in to Say Yes, Be Happy with Natalie Botros. Find out about the Bon Vivant Girl lifestyle and learn how to enjoy every aspect of life and be happy. Say yes, be happy. Listen live every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every week for Making Action Happen, hosted by Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. The program takes you inside Action 22, a Colorado-based community outreach organization established in 1999. The show focuses on public policies, both politically driven or not, which have ongoing and immediate impact on the Colorado community and the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you can make action happen. Listen Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. 
Hello, everyone, and you are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. I'm Patricia Raskin. My guest is Dr. Judith Rabinor. She's a PhD. Her web, her memoir is The Girl in the Red Boots, Making Peace with My Mother. Um, Dr. Rabinor is a therapist. She's a consultant, and she has written books on this topic. She offers remote consultations for writers and clinicians. She's published do- dozens of articles. She's professionally authored three books, and she specializes. She has a practice in New York City. She specializes in eating disorders, and you can certainly go to her website, Judith um, Judith Rusky Rabinor, uh, PhD. Is there another website, Judy, for people to go to? No, I have only one website, Judith Rusky Rabinor, PhD dot com. Right. Okay. Perfect. All right. So. Um, I want to go back more to really looking at that mother-daughter bond. You know, what happens when you're not brought up by the mother? What happens when you're brought up by the father? Or what happens when the maternal role comes from, you know, another gender? I mean, what happens well, then? Or so, another person. And then right. your maternal... Then, you know, one... This is... My, my thinking is really comes out of attachment theory. And attachment theory says that our earliest relationships create a template. They create a right. formula in our mind. This is how relationships work. And that's right. why it's not always the mother-daughter relationship. Exa- exactly what you said, Patricia. If a person is brought up by their father, if they're brought up by an aunt, if whatever the reason if the mother is deceased, or if, if it's or if it's a gay if it's a gay couple and two men and I've seen this often, two men adopt a beautiful baby or two women adopt a, or have a baby, so you know th- that can be the same thing in terms of a maternal role. Yes, the maternal role. That's the perfect way of saying it, as opposed to the mother. It's whoever is providing the most consistent, reliable parenting. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's whoever is doing the parenting, the caregiving, the caretaking. That relationship gets internalized by a child, and that becomes what the child ex- comes to expect. This is how my needs will be responded to. If a mm-hmm. child grows, I mean, we all know that when you are the last of ten children, you have a different life experience than when mm-hmm. you're the only child. Right, and you're the first child. The first child mm-hmm. generally um, will get a lot more undivided attention than the last of many children. The mm-hmm. last of many children may also be raised by multiple caregivers, including her, her or his siblings. And so then that comes into play when they go to find a partner. They may have a different set of expectations than somebody who was an only child with a very doting parent. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. And, and the, or it can be if the youngest child stays in the house longer and all the others have grown up, then they get the attention on the back end. I've seen that happen too. That's right. That's right. But we often think that what really shapes our personalities is what happens early in life. Right. Um, and you were asking a really important question before about eating disorders and about the body, that a lot goes on in the years before we have language. You know, we don't really have much language before we're a year old, but it's in that very first year that we are really dependent on our caregivers for mm-hmm. safety, for protection, for nourishment, for nurturance. We're dependent on them for everything. And so these the way our needs were responded to gets kind of like hardwired in. If you were a child, a baby, an infant, who was used to the minute you cried, one or two adults jumped, and they ran in to find out what was wrong. Does this baby need the diaper change? Do they need a bottle? What do they need? Is it too mm-hmm. much sun in the room? That's very different than if you were a child who was not responded to that rapidly. You get used to a different... You have a different expectation about how your needs in life will be met. Hmm. All right, we have to. Go ahead. I just wanted to uh, say just what you said is true. It's our early caretakers who are so critical 
informing the template that we have internalized and what we expect about so how let, we're going to do So let me loved. ask you. We have about three minutes left, so I would like you to just sum up. You know, you've talked so much about, um, you know, the, the, the experience we have, where it comes from, many times the cause of it. But if we really want to develop that relationship that's close, if we want to heal those wounds with our mothers, what would be, what would you like to leave our listeners with, Judith? I'd like to leave our listeners with the fact that it is never too late to reach out. And if you're going to reach out, the most important thing is you pay very clear attention to how you reach out. And whatever it is that you really feel, remember that every criticism masks a frustration. Every frustration masks a need. And what is it you need from this person? Mom, I wish we could spend more time together. Dad, I wish we could go out for a walk together when I'm home for the weekend. It's different when we're in the house with like six or eight people. I'd love some time alone with you. Is that something we can make happen? So it's really important to ask, to identify what your needs are and ask for what they are. Mm-hmm. And it's Absolutely. not what you say, but it's it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. How you say it, and yeah. Thank you so much, Judy. It was wonderful. Tell people how they can find you and get your book or you work can, with you. You can, yeah, you can find me on my website, uh, JudithRuskeyRabinorPhD.com, R A B I N O R, or the name of my book, The Girl in the Red Boots. Making Peace with My Mother. And on my website, you'll find a way to contact me. You'll find a way to read about the book and read about the kind of groups I offer, the individual therapy I offer. And I look forward to meeting you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was really a wonderful interview. Very insightful. It was wonderful. It was fun talking to you, Patricia. You have a great style, a great way of (laughs) <laughs> getting me to focus on the most important oh, thing. Thanks thank so you. much. Thank you. Thanks well, so I believe in this work. You're welcome. All right, stand the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. If you'd like to write to me or get a copy of my newsletter, write to patricia at patriciaraskin.com. You can like me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin Raskin Resources. And if you're thinking about creating your own podcast, since there are so many and it's such a great way to get your message out, contact me because I love to help people do that to get positive messages out just like we do through this program. You're listening to, again, the Patricia Raskin Patricia Raskin Positive Living Program right here on voiceamerica.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.